Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. As we begin this morning, I want to step forward in an awareness that God is wanting to work, that even though this is another Sunday, this is actually more than just another Sunday. This is another opportunity. This is another opportunity for God to reveal himself more fully to us, an opportunity for us to open ourselves more fully to him. And we, I don't want this time together to become something less than that. I don't want Sunday mornings to just become a, a time where we go to church. I, I always want to, it to be dynamic. I always want it to be something powerful is able to take place. And we come expecting it. You see, it, it, it's easy for me, and I imagine just for you, to to put in the time. I mean, I have to be here. I know you guys don't have to, but I kind of have to, right? If I don't show up, you guys will be worse now. But more than I have to, I want to. You know, this whole week as... I'm dealing with Advent, and I say dealing with it because many times as pastors, we lament over the Christmas season. I know you shouldn't say that as a pastor, but it's like, okay, here comes Christmas. I'm going to talk about the birth of Jesus again, and it can become routine. And this whole week, I've been really awakening in my own heart what this Advent means, this arrival means to me. And I don't want to lose that. I want Sunday mornings to be like that little kid waking up Christmas morning and seeing all the lights and it's just filled with wonder. I want Sunday mornings to be filled with wonder because God has shown up. He's revealed himself to us and he's forever changed my life. And he wants to do that for us. So let's pray together. God, this morning is special, not because it's Sunday, not because it's church. It's special because we all have taken time aside out of our lives. We've set this time apart so that we could gather together in your name, Jesus, because we want to know you more, because we want our lives to be lives of worship to you. We, we want to be an example of what it means to be connected to the living God. And so it is my prayer and my desire that this morning would have an effect on us, a, a powerful and a beautiful and a gentle effect 
that you would speak into our lives what we need to hear and that this would be the beginning of something more in our relationship with you. I thank you for everyone here, Lord. I pray you bless their homes, their efforts in wanting to serve and follow you. Might you reward them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're continuing through our Advent, and what we're doing here is really the long night is ending. And what we've been talking about is how because of this arrival of the Christ, it has changed humanity. Last week, we talked about truth, how it has affected truth, how truth is not just something we engage mentally. It's actually something we encounter, and we encounter truth most clearly through the person of Jesus. It affects how we live. The most powerful truths in your life are actually relational. They are the things that have an effect in the conduct that you live. If it's true that you care about someone, it affects how you live everywhere. It doesn't matter so much what you think if it doesn't show up in how you live. It doesn't ring true. And so the things that ring true are the things that actually go to the core of who we are and affect who we are. And today, we're going to be talking about love. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about shaving, babies at the beach, the difference between belonging and fitting in, going to the dentist, and magic tricks. Okay? Just so you know. Now you know what we're talking about. A few years back, we decided we were going to do something different for the Advent season, for Christmas season. We, we wanted to change how we, as followers of Jesus, celebrate Christmas. You know, it, it's so weird when you think about it that Christmas, the holiday, is celebrated by spending lots of money and buying stuff. In the United States, we spend about $6 billion a year on Christmas, which is alarming that we spend that much. People go in debt because of Christmas. And it seems strange that we would celebrate the birth of the Christ, Jesus born by a young teenage girl in poverty, having to give birth in a place outside of a hospital or a home. And here's how we celebrate that by exorbitant spending. It just doesn't connect with the story. And so wanting to connect with the story, we did what was called Advent Conspiracy, where year after year we wanted to, instead of buying all those presents, maybe buy a few less presents. You'd be surprised how much kids are quicker to get on board with the idea of buying less and giving towards people who have really a need than the parents are. The parents are more worried about the kids. But once you tell the kids, hey, we're going to take the money that we would normally buy on extra gifts this year, and we're going to say we buy, you know, build a latrine for a school in Haiti. The kids are, okay, yeah, that's good. The parents are worried, though, about the kids. Like, oh, no, they're going to be mad at me and hate me for the rest of my life and then have to go to therapy, you know, later on. But what we wanted to do is change our story. So we did build a latrine. So we did build a cafeteria. 
So we do have the Healthy Start School program. So we do things in Mexico and have done things in Mexico. And this year, we're doing the Goat and Garden Project. We would like to raise $5,000. We've got about $900 so far. Okay, now it might seem like, well, that's a lot of money. It's not a lot of money, really, when it comes to how much we normally spend in a lot of things. And if everyone gives a little, it's not that much. And so if we decide to tell our wife or our husband, I'm not getting you a gift, but I'm going to give to the Goat and Garden Project. Instead, you and I, we're just going to have a nice dinner together because I still want to celebrate with my family. We're just going to take away all the commercialism. And so we decided to do this a number of years ago, and we've been able to do some amazing things. In fact, we've actually had people who are not a part of our church or even our faith donate to some of the projects that we've done, which is the whole point of Christmas is to bring the world into the story. And so what a great opportunity to change how we think of the season and how Jesus, the birth of Christ, has affected how we live. When we talk about love, we're talking about how does love or Christ's coming, how does that change how we think about love? Because the whole point is it has to change something, right? Nothing changes if nothing changes. And if one person changes, actually the whole world changes. Depending on the influence of that person might depend how much that effect goes out. But if each of us are changed, It starts to have a rippling effect that changes our families, that changes our places of work, that changes our interaction with friends and people, that eventually could change governments. But it has to begin with us. And and love is one of those important things that change, that changes us and how it changes what we see about love. You know, if you have kids, you know that... What you say is not as important as what you do, right? Yesterday, my son Jordan shaved his goatee. He had a goatee and he shaved it. And and he came into the room and my grandson Judah saw him and just kind of flipped out. He was just kind of, what? And he's all like looking at him and he's going like this on his chin, like what's missing? Something's there. He just had no words, but he saw a change and it affected his countenance, right? His whole expression was different. He was in wonder at dad. Dad had a, a different face. You know, how can you do that? You've always had this face. Now you have a different one. I remember shaving and I think my daughter cried one time. It, it's like, it changes the appearance and it causes a reaction. And the extent of change affects how much that action takes place. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Here is an example of what love looks like. It is a verb. It is action. It's not just an emotion. That God extends himself and affects the lives of others and changes the lives of others. 
And so we want to take this example and allow it to affect us and allow it to change us. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Paul gives us more detail about what Jesus did, what, what the purpose of Christ was, and how he conducted himself with us. In verse 1, it says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So he's telling us, I want you guys to be united and take this example of Jesus. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and taking form of a servant, being born in likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What we see in Christ is Jesus becoming vulnerable. We see deity becoming humanity. We, we see Christ taking a form. It's the form of a servant. And he did not think equality with God was something that he had to hold on to. He wasn't holding on to his position as if everyone needs to know I'm important. That wasn't a part of his thinking. His thinking was to think about others more important than himself. And what we see is in Christ, love actually limited itself. You know, when Corrine and I had the twins, I can remember one time we decided we were going to go to the beach, right? Going to the beach with babies. And so we had our car packed up. We had a, a playpen. We had, you know, all the other things you need, the diaper bag, the food, and, you know, the wipes. And I don't know if we had a stroller or not, but we had everything that you need when you take, because you need basically an entourage to go with you, when you, especially when you have twins, right? And, and we get to the beach, and our whole idea is, you know what, just because we have kids doesn't mean our life is going to change, Right? <laughs> We were foolish enough to think, we can do this. We can go to the beach. You know, we were so used to at 10 o'clock, hey, you know what? Let's go to the movies, right? And at 10 o'clock, there would be a show in the theater near us. And so we'd get up and we'd go with our friends to the movies. And we thought, yeah, you know, nothing's going to change. We'll still take everything changed, right? We got to the beach and it's windy and the sand's blowing in the kids' faces and they're crying. And, and, you know, we're trying to keep them in the playpen and they're trying to climb out. And then they're getting sand in their mouth because they're just, I don't know, they're lacking fiber or something. They're just putting the sand in their mouth. And we're like, no, and it's in their diaper and it's just everywhere. And, you know, after like 20 minutes, it's like, this is not fun. This, this is not what we want. And, you know, it was a shortened trip. Tried to take them to the water. I think one of them screamed and freaked out. You know, 
going to kill me. And I was like, no, it's just the beach. You know, this is fun. Aren't you having fun? And no, it was not fun. And so the fact that we had babies now limited what we could do, like going to the beach or going to the movies at 10 o'clock at night. Now, don't get me wrong. I love our kids. It's something that we were willing to limit ourselves so that we could have a family. We had to do it. And really what's seen in Christ is the limitation of his right to act as God for the sake of others. That love is actually limiting yourself. And I don't know if we think of it in that way sometimes. We always think that love is going to give me more. Love is going to help me. And love is going to give more. But really, love in some ways limits us. You see, I'm limited to the fact that I am going to love my wife over any other person and over any other life that I could have besides the life I have with her. Love has limited me in that way. Because it, it would not be love if I could just go off and be with any other person. That would not be an example of love. Love limits itself and willingly limits itself. And it's important that we see the limitation of love because in it is hidden the beauty of what love looks like. And you see it naturally when you have children and your lives are limited And you think, well, is it a burden? Well, in some ways, would you rather have your freedom than your children? Well, no. My children are more important than just my freedom. That's what love does. Is it brings this sense of limiting. Jesus takes the position of a servant. He limits himself. There's a difference between belonging and fitting in. If you talk to a junior high or high schooler, they know the difference immediately. Adults, we kind of lose the clarity sometimes. You see, fitting in means you have to become something to be a part of something else. I have to act a certain way to become friends with this group of people. I have to dress a certain way or I have to use a certain vocabulary. Fitting in means I have to change to be a part of something else. Belonging means I am able to be who I am and still be accepted as I am, which is what family is supposed to be, right? You should belong to a family with all the good, the bad, and the ugly. Family gets to know how you look in the morning when you wake up. They get the morning breath. Family knows if you leave your chonies on the floor or not, right? Family knows all those things about you, and you get to actually be yourself. (laughs) Might not always be a good person, but you get to be who you are with family. Why? Because you belong. It doesn't mean that there doesn't need to be change. It doesn't mean you shouldn't clean up after yourself. It doesn't mean you shouldn't brush your teeth in the morning. It just you get to be who you are and not have to worry about, oh, no, am I going to get kicked out because I didn't act a certain way, say the right things. In fact, family tests us because people don't act like us. And it stretches what we accept and who we become. 
And you see, love allows us to belong to the family. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, His purpose, God's purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. He's talking about the Jews and the Gentile. The intention of Christ was to bring a new humanity, to make us a family, to accept us even though we didn't grow up believing their beliefs or following their traditions or eating the right food. God says, I want you to know you belong to this family right now as you are. Love accepts you for who you are. You don't have to change before you get to be a part of the family. The family accepts you with all the problems. And it's hard being family. It it, it changes us and it pushes us to be more patient, to have to be more confrontational sometimes, to have to extend ourselves. If we're going to be engaged with someone, we have to be a part of the life. We can't just check out as much as we might want to or do on occasion. See, you belong. That means I accept all the things that you are right now. And we will work together through those things to become what needs to happen in us. But we accept you right now as you are. And God accepts us as we are. We we don't have to change to be accepted by God. Romans 5, it says, yet the proof of God's amazing love is this, that it is It was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. This is Philip's translation. See, he loved us right where you are. You didn't have to change and stop whatever it was you were doing. Okay, you've got a problem. You know, you're you're drinking too much. You're using drugs. You're stealing. You need to change that, and then you can come to my family. No, he says, while you're where you are, I love you. You belong to me. And doesn't that look like family? Does mine, right? It it looks like my family. That's what we are, and you have a right to be a part of this family as you are. 1 John 4, 9 says, we love because he first loved us. The whole point of this love is you belong. The most important thing a kid can know when he goes home is that they don't have to pretend to be something to please their parents, that they are loved who they are right here, right now. Oh, yeah, you want them to grow, have manners. You want them to learn how to be disciplined maybe in their chores and things, but that does not affect how they belong to this family. They belong all the time whoever they are. They need to know that more than anything. I think one of the greatest failures I had as a parent is not conveying that clearly enough. My kids always thinking that I'm not happy with them unless they're acting more Christian, unless they're reading their Bibles, going through, they're doing their devotions, unless they're memorizing Bible verses. All these things make them more welcome into the family. No, no. I don't care if you never memorize a verse. You belong in this community. You belong in God's family. You're welcome. He's invited you. 
And so it's important we recognize that belonging is different than fitting in. Many times in churches and in Christianity, there is this, you need to fit in. You have to believe the right things, you have to do the right things, and then you can belong. We've switched it around. When God says, I never said that. I said, while you were yet a sinner, I love you. I love you before you love me. That's the way it works. That's what love looks like. A couple of years ago, I went to the dentist because I had to have a crown, I guess it is, or a cap. I don't know the difference. All I know is part of my old filling fell off, and so I had this, like, skeleton bone tooth in my mouth, right, where you can't stop thinking, oh, that feels weird. And so I knew, because then all of a sudden it's like you drink something cold and it's like sends a shiver through you that you will not forget. You know, it's like, oh, I got to go to the dentist. And so, you know, dentists, yeah, they're my favorite place to go. You know, I love the smell of bone, you know, whizzing away. And so I picked a dentist out and I told him I needed to do this. And as I'm talking to them, the assistants are there and saying, oh, yeah, I've had this procedure done here. The doctor's great. He does a great job and it's great. And it felt so good to know that the assistant who was assisting me had been in the seat that I had been in and had trusted the doctor, right? It's like, I don't want to go to a dentist that has not had a root canal themselves. I just would rather know that they know what I'm going through, feel what I'm feeling and having mercy on me, right? that they start kind of easing the pain as you start going through the process. I think that's important because now I know you know what I feel like. You care, and, and there's this empathy that develops when you have the someone that knows what you're going through. And again, this is a part of what love looks like. This is what the coming of Christ shows us that love is actually empathetic. In Hebrews 4.15, it says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, but yet without sin. He knows what I'm going through. I've said this before, and I say it at memorial service. I don't know that I could believe in a God who does not cry, that I could have faith in a God who does not know what it is like to feel like your guts are torn out, because that is a reality. And I want the God I believe in to know that reality. And that's who Jesus is. What Jesus does is he lets us know that God has been in that chair. He has been in those shoes. He feels those things. Paul says in Romans 12, 15, share the happiness of those who are happy, the sorrow of those who are sad. This is what love does. This is what Jesus did. And it helps us to understand, you see, it brings about community. It, it brings about unity. It, it brings about a oneness. You go through something with someone or something similar to something they've gone through, and now you have a bond. The people who have gone through cancer, they have a bond because they know what it's like to have all the treatments. The people who've lost loved ones, 
to cancer. They have a bond because they know what it's like to be in those shoes. The people who have lost children, have lost pregnancy or lost a child in pregnancy. There's bonds that develop in all these areas where there was hurt when there is an identity in the community that starts to develop there. I mean, that's the great thing about recovery groups, whether it's AANA, Celebrate Recovery, is you go to a group and there are people who are in the same boat with you and you develop a relationship rapport and you say, okay, I am not a freak that does not belong. I actually have a community that feel what I feel, hurt like I hurt, and can rejoice with me when I have something to rejoice about. And it's powerful. It takes hold of you and it captures you. And the purpose of this love is to bring about this community, to bring about this unity. The purpose of Christ, the advent, and what love shows, it says, you belong and here is the new family that God is bringing about from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. There's now this commonality of I was found by God. I didn't find him. He found me. He rescued me. And we have that in common. When you go to a, a, a show, a magic show, or you watch it on YouTube, I know a few friends of mine, Alex and Daniel and Courtney, went to the Magic Castle recently, had dinner, and Daniel or Alex was telling me about all the things, the card tricks and the things that they're doing. You know, they, they do this this trick where they, they make something disappear, right? It could be a rabbit. It could be the doves. It could be cards. It could be a Rubik's Cube, it, you know, anything. They, all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. But what's really important is that it comes back, right? It's like, okay, it's gone. It's no longer here. There it is in your ear, you know, boom, there, where did that bird come from? Bird brain, you know, it's like, All of a sudden, something was gone, but it shows up and it was unexpected. We are told in Scripture that when Christ died, that the veil that blocked the way to the holy place, the place that represented the presence of God, was torn. And the idea has always been, okay, now there is no longer a curtain between man and the holy place. But you see, I think something more happened. I I think when the, the veil was torn, what happened is it revealed that there was actually nothing in the holy place. See, Acts tells us in 17 and also in Acts chapter 7 that God does not live in temples made with hands. You see, he was never in there. But the, the magic, if you will, is that he shows up everywhere else. He shows up in Christ. And in Christ, he's extended to you and to me. And where we believed God is in this place, God is in this temple, God is in this special place, or maybe it's even in a church or some dwelling place. And you see, pulling the curtain to say, no, that place is empty. Here is where he now dwells. 
In Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with full, fullest confidence that we may receive mercy for our failures and grace to help in our time of need. See, I don't have to worry if I'm good enough. I don't have to worry if there's something blocking the holy place. The holy place is now where Christ dwells. And Christ wants to dwell in us. And this is where love pushes close. This is where love tears the curtain and and reveals that this is an illusion here. The reality is here. This was just a shadow. This is what's real. And what's real wants to get real close. He wants to be a part of our lives. He, He wants to influence our lives. He wants to change the way we think about truth. He wants to change the way we think about love to help us see that love limits, that love embraces, that love is empathetic, and that love shows up. And he shows up in Christ wanting to change us. Not so we can be accepted, so that we can be whole, so that we can live fully, so that we can have communion, community with God himself. If love does not draw us closer then it's not love. And it's failing in its intention, which is to bring us close, even though it's hard, even though it costs something, even though it might limit us. It actually draws us in, feels what we feel, feels, feels what things that we feel, knows the things we think cares about us. And that is our example. That is how we are to live. Let's tear the curtain of illusion. Let's see the reality of Christ and let's follow in his steps of what love looks like. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would begin to understand love as a verb, love as action, love that engages, love that actually limits, love that welcomes, that belongs, love that cares, that feels, and love that draws near. I pray that we would be these examples as you were this example for us. And that you would continue revealing your love now through your church, through the people who believe in you. And Lord, show us where we have maybe been a bad example. Make us aware of the times that have been uh, rough. The times where we thought of ourselves more than others. 
where we wanted what we want over what others want, where we did not help people see that they belong, that they are welcomed, that your door is open, that you are present. And so I pray that this Advent season would change how we love, that we would allow your example to be ours. We thank you again for the love you've demonstrated to us. And while we were still sinners, you died for us. Help us to understand that if you so loved us, we are to love one another this way as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you forever be changed by the love of God. May you realize that you belong. May you allow love to limit you so that you can grow. May you show that love to others. May it change you and may it change how you do everything. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next week. Join us for lunch. Thank you guys for being here. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.